It's Tuesday. Do you know where your freedom is, Paul? <laughs> Where's my freedom? <laughs> yeah, welcome to a podcast above a convenience store talking Twin Peaks. Uh, yeah, I did the intro as like a Dr. Amp there because uh, we get introduced to Dr. Amp in part five of the return case files. I'm Jill Fremming from the Joe Down. With me, as always, is Paul Muadib. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so we are uh, we are back with the return. Uh, yeah, woo. There's a <laughs> lot of things going on here, Paul. And we hinted we gave one of the weirdest cameos. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll get into it. Uh, but uh, first, what are your, some of your first thoughts on this episode? Uh, this episode, so, you know, as we talked about before, the last four were really meant to be parts one and two watched together, part three and four watched together. This is when, <laughs> I remember, remember watching it when it came out, and this is when I realized, oh shit, we're not gonna get Agent Cooper back for a long time. <laughs> nope, uh, we kind of got teased there with, with the hot coffee. Mm-hmm. We get little teases of it, too, here and there, but uh, over the rest of it, this is pretty much where his he hits his learning gap, pretty much. Yes, and in this episode, it's a tough because you start getting introduced to characters in, a, in, in the way that David Lynch introduces characters, which is by not introducing them, and we just start seeing these characters, so now they're starting to fold more characters into the story. And again, knowing what we know now, I can kind of, I can remember, and go, oh yeah, that character, that character. But when I remember watching this for the first time, I'm going, oh shit, they're bringing more people. I don't know what's going on. Oh, uh, I found on rewatching this, I am now more interested in what the new, these new characters than I am when it goes back to Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that happened to you too? Yes, it did. Absolutely. When I was rewatching this one, because I, I wanted to look a bit more in those stories. And uh, we'll get into it when we get into it uh, later towards the end, at the very end of the episode. But there's a character that we are introduced to that we don't really know, except for credits, that it becomes a big deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, he's uh, he's quite the uh, character. But yeah, we'll get into it. <clears throat> let's 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 jump into it again. Like uh, as rewatching this and like. For me, I was like, when I kept going, when I went back to the Twin Peaks Sheriff Station, I was like, okay, yeah. It was like the complete opposite of like the first time I watched it when I was just like really excited to see what I knew. But now I'm like more, knowing what I know now, I'm more vested in these storylines, especially the Dougie Jones. Oh my God, yes. Uh, and it's a lot more hilarious. Fucking <laughs> 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 balls and shit. This is one of those things where, again, when you watch it the first time, it's the other confusion. When you watch it the second time, you get the humor. Like, this is just, it's totally different. It's totally different. Okay, well, it's, uh, we're back in Vegas, uh, and we find uh, there's hired goons still watching over Dougie's car at the model <laughs> home. Days. The model home, and it just every time I say model home, I just think of Arrested Development. So, <laughs> like in the blue slip here too. <laughs> um, uh, but Dougie's nowhere to be found. The uh, his car's still there. Uh, the goons tell this woman on the phone 
that he's just basically MIA. They don't know where he is. Mm-hmm. She does not take this news really well. Oh, this is the woman that uh, they got on the horn with. This is Mr. C's uh, contact, or uh, the Vegas guy's contact via Mr. C. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she texts the bad news. Uh, it, it, I think it says Argent 2. Yep. Yep. And then it goes to, it looks like Buenos Aires, I think is. Yep. And it goes to like this weird, like device. <laughs> and this device also confounds me because later on it, it gets another message and it curls. It, yeah. <laughs> that's what the tulpas do. Yeah. I completely it, forgot that. <laughs> I completely forgot that too. When I saw it happen, I was like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I was, uh. Yeah, and it was, it's such like a quick scene, but it, it, it just kind of like goes into the lore of like, it almost, you know, it's like the what's real at this point, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole thing. But yeah, so she texts the bad news and she does not look thrilled. No. <laughs> Mr. C know that they have no idea where the guy he de- most definitely wants dead is. <laughs> Yes, and you can tell, like, she, this is life or, like, you can tell this is life or death when she's sending this message. Yeah, uh, she is, uh, she's quite skittish, and uh, we do find out uh, <laughs> what happens with her later also introduces one of the more hilarious characters to you. <laughs> so yes, we'll, get to, we'll get to Ike when we get to Ike. <laughs> We'll get to Ike when we get to Ike. Absolutely. I'm excited to get to Ike. <laughs> so, Paul, uh, we next go to a, the autopsy. Yeah. And, uh, some uh, interesting things transpire. Well, they're, you know, they're making headway. Yeah. <laughs> I love how she's cracking jokes. The corner's cracking jokes to these guys, and they're just not getting it. And they confirm that... This person was killed by his head being cut off. <laughs> uh, but they find something that he hasn't eaten in days. And there's something in his stomach. And it's a little gold ring. And they find an inscription on it. To Dougie, with love, Janie E. I forgot all about them finding this ring. I did too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's... The plot is kind of thickening now. They're now connections are starting to slowly, but they are they're being made. Uh, uh, it's uh, we're seeing connections, even though it is <laughs> why uh, Janie's ring is in this decapitated body found in Buckhorn, South Dakota. We'll have to find out. Right? Why is it there? How did it get there? What did Dougie do? What didn't Dougie do? <laughs> I'm honestly trying to remember even if they answer this. <laughs> I, you know, I was going to bring that up because I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb here right now and say, I don't think they do. Yeah, they might. I don't know. We do find out uh, there's connections with Janie though, with the events that per, per, yeah, she's just not alone in uh, Dougie's world. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yes. As connections. And now we cut to Mr. C in prison. No, <laughs> no one when his food's coming like clockwork. Like clockwork. And now the food comes. <laughs> and he seems 
more normal. I mean, as normal as Mr. C is than he was the last episode. Yeah. Uh, last episode, it could be a number of things. Uh, I think he might, now that the Tulpa is dead and Cooper's trapped, he gets to retain those uh, sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Could have been just the trauma of being in a <laughs> severe car crash where you vomit Garmin Bosia all over your face. <laughs> I could fuck you up. <laughs> I mean, I don't know from firsthand experience yet. <laughs> yeah, but well, well, we do know, like, <laughs> that poor officer didn't respond well. No, no. <laughs> that poor, he was hospitalized. I'm, I'm sure he's dead. <laughs> so God. he goes to the mirror and we get a flashback to we get the introduction or not the introduction but we get reintroduced to bob yeah and he makes the note that bob's still with him he's like you're still with me good so what do you think about that because again my belief has been and i and it goes back and forth i think in the show but really this doppelganger is being controlled by bob in my mind this is bob cooper what do you think I think it is, uh, and it might be when the accident happened, something may have happened where Bob was maybe temporarily blocked out, and that might have been also why he was talking kind of funny with Cole. Yes. And so, like, he just needed to make sure, because he seems reliant on Bob, and he's like, yeah, good, you're still with me, that's good. Mm -hmm. So I think Bob controls it, but, like, there's elements of... uh, the doppelganger is still, he has Cooper's abilities and memories and, you know, he's still like a person. He's like, you know, he's not like a tulpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's still flesh and blood. So I, that's what I get from it is uh, he, he's starting to come back now that Bob is coming back. Do you know what you brought that? That's what I think was happening there. I think that in that throwing up moment, you know, when he's going to go back. He knew there was a chance he could lose Bob, and I think he was discombobulated. Again, we've kind of known that the Gargambosia um, is fuel for these lodge entities. So I think that he was weakened in a weakened state. And when he went in the mirror and saw that Bob was still with him, you know, he's getting back to himself. And we'll see that going forward, that we don't really see that Mr. C that we saw in the last episode again. And we also, like, it. we do find <laughs> a few uh, in part eight, that Bob is literally in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a very real chance he might have accidentally vomited Bob up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we'll see very, very, very distinctly that Bob is in him. But, yeah, have... it's like, but we get that cool effect where his face, and then, like, they, through CGI or whatever, they make, Kyle McLaughlin's face looked like Frank Silva's. Yeah, that was really, really well done, actually. For a guy that loves his cheesy effects, I thought that was really well done and subtle. Yeah, and it's also what I call the most bizarre cameo. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's such a, it's, it, you know, obviously it's, they're using um, Frank Silva's face and in a way kind of superimposing it over kyle mclaughlin's and it it works so well and it's so jarring and creepy because i think we didn't know going in how they were going to deal with bob exactly and up until this point we don't even know our first run through we don't know how they're even going to deal with it 
Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, like when we were first watching this, all we kind of knew was Mr. C was the doppelganger. Yes. Uh, uh, that's and, really all we knew. Uh, and except that we knew that, well, we knew that, and again, I think it's great that we watched the secret history because, or we read the secret history because at the end of the last season, we didn't know what the fuck was going on. We didn't know if it was a doppelganger. We didn't know what was going on with Cooper. We didn't know anything. We just saw that Bob was in Cooper. That's all we knew. Yeah. And then with Fire Walk With Me, we find out that the good Cooper is in the Black Lodge. The Black Lodge. Yep. And they really hammer on that in the, uh, again, in the secret history as well. So, yeah. I think this. So this is how they handled it. I think they handled it really well. Uh, Especially when he starts looking in the mirror. The first time I saw it, I was like gasping. I'm like, oh shit, how are they going to do this? Please don't be like a hokey effect. (laughs) Yeah, that was my worry too. I was like, don't let it be hokey. Recycle the reflection scene from uh, when Leland looked in the mirror. Genius, wasn't it? <laughs> just seeing, just seeing Frank Silva, like he's chewing fake gum all the time, and Cooper looks in a mirror. Gee, that would have been brilliant. Um, also, you know, I wonder if they were going to. I actually wondered they're going to go the same way as Michael Anderson and make it something different. Like Bob had changed by being in Cooper. I was worried that that was going to happen. Yeah, I was too. Uh, but we all, what we find out about. Mike Anderson is, you know, he burned a bridge where Frank Silva unfortunately passed. And uh, Lynch seems pretty respectful of people he's worked with, except for the bubblegum tree. Except for the bubblegum tree. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. So he don't. uh, So they, I think they work with it pretty respectfully. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. they don't make him turn into full Frank Silva. No. Uh, it's just like it, we get a taste of it, and uh, you know, and then we get like we get the scenes from the season two finale. So we do know Bob is still with them. Bob's out there having fun. Mm. <laughs> but he yes, like, he is. He doesn't like being in prison though. So. Mm-mm. No. So we're gonna see. We're gonna see that very very soon. But first, we're gonna meet up with someone we haven't seen in twenty five years. Snake. I swear to God. It's oh, Snake. It's... God. <laughs> it's Snake Joe. <coughs> oh, man, Snake. He's selling insurance now. He's as we knew he was going to. <laughs> oh man! That was this insurance agent was selling cocaine in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and drink and, and drunk driving. Don't forget that drunk mm-hmm. driving. Yeah, and his, his buddy Bobby. He killed that cop. He killed that cop and then became a cop himself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So Mike's interviewing. Uh, we'll, we meet him. And he's a very kind of minor character, but he's just uh, Steve. Steve. Steve is a Steve. <laughs> Steve looks like he's on so much meth. <laughs> they did a really good job with his makeup, I thought. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. He... Looks just like he's been on a meth bender for months. <laughs> yes. Yes. He, they, whatever they did with him. And I don't know if you've actually seen him like outside of that. That's, they did a great job. Yeah, of, I'm not familiar with the actor, so. Okay. I looked up images, right? I looked up images of him because I'm not too familiar either. Um, 
you know, he was never anything he's been on really hasn't been on my radar. So I had to look up images. I'm like, God, he can't really look like that. Like he wouldn't get an acting job, would he? No, they the makeup job on him is f- fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, he looks rough, and Mike just berates him for having the worst resume he's ever seen in his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just called him in there because he just wanted to meet the schmuck who wouldn't <laughs> think they would get hired oh, for submitting that. He berates him, saying it was. I just called Junior and let you know that this was the worst resume I've ever seen. Worst written resume. Um, wasn't filled out right, and that he can't even, you know, he's like, I, I, you can't go and get any job with what you're doing right here. And just tears him apart. And I think this is the one and only time we see Snake. Yep, this is uh, this is one of the minor cameos. Uh, I mean, I guess, I mean, he's just... I don't see what else they were, could have done with him. <laughs> just, uh, the, the, the return was more interested in uh, the new characters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But even with the new characters, Steve doesn't have a whole lot. He's just kind mm. of, we'll get a little bit more into that, but he's not a major. No, major. but he does have an interesting arc towards the end of the series, I thought, an interesting <laughs> episode, and I can't wait to get to that. Yeah, me too, because I, I didn't even know who the actress who he's, like, with mm-hmm. I until the end of the episode, who she was. Yeah, because they don't, they, yeah, on that one they don't spell, but I, let's not get in that. Let's, let's, let's keep moving forward here. Frank's on the <coughs> phone with Harry. Harry's Thanks. not doing well. No, Harry's not doing well. And Frank's not going to be doing well here because Doris comes in. <laughs> Oh, Frank. Oh, wow. You know, and that was, uh, that's a rough scene in my mind. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that black mold, Frank. They got the (laughs) pipe, Paul. (laughs) That black mold. And what's really interesting to me is, do you know who that is that plays his wife? No, who is it? So that's Candy Clark. Uh, who was in the uh, the the David Bowie movie, uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth? She played Mary Lou, and she was in more American Graffiti. She was in oh, Q. Classic. The classic, one. <laughs> the classic one. Uh, and really, the only and if you ever if you want to, you can watch. Uh, I recommend it. I actually just watched it recently. Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. And she plays Buffy's mom. Oh, the original one? In the original one with Christy Swanson. She plays Buffy's mom. She was also in Zodiac. That's a good uh, movie. That was a great movie. Uh, she played um, uh, one of the one of the minor characters in there. She played Carol Fisher. Okay. And so, yeah, no, that was a really cool cameo in my mind. But, man, Frank does not have any control at home. He may be a sheriff, but you could tell she... Uh, runs that house. Yeah. Um, she's a strong personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very but strong. After, after Frank gets yelled at for, you know, trying to do what she asked him to do, I guess, just quick enough. Yep. Because <laughs> um, that leaky pipe's going to be fixed tomorrow, and she has to go all day with a leaky pipe. Go get a bucket. 
<laughs> Why am I going to buy a bucket I'm going to use once and I can't get the carpet I want? It's not fair, Frank. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Jesus Christ. So then we move back to Dougie. <laughs> Tie still not tied. Nope. <laughs> Oversized coat jacket that's lime green. <laughs> yep. And she says that he needs to make the call, call them, whoever yep. they are, get that deal set up. Yep. She counted the money. He made $425,000 on nickel or quarter slots quarter slots <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> we're going to find out more about that later uh, and uh, yeah then he, he looks at Sunny Jim and he cries and yeah. I thought that was interesting what was your take on why he was crying uh, I think well I mean without spoiling when we find out when he comes back Cooper Fully was seeing everything that was going on in front of him. He just he was just trapped yep. in the body. And I think that's as uh, far as you go with it right now. Yeah, but I well, I think with why he's crying, we see Sonny Jim is uh, when he does come back. Sonny Jim's no longer going to have a dad. Yes, that's why I think he was crying. Because mm-hmm. here's this innocent kid who helped him learn how to eat his pancakes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think I, I can't wait to get to later when we when they have that. There's a conversation that occurs uh, and that's along these this this track. Yeah. And um, I'm interested to. I have some theories about, you know, some things. But again, also there might be some changes because well, we'll get to that too. Well, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. But uh, Coop. Not, I just don't want to get in a super spoiler territory. No, but he does make sure the family's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the, this is him. I think this is one of the few times he can express himself. Uh, he's just bummed out. He can't. He can't do anything. He's trapped, and he sees his family struggling. And it's uh, yeah. yeah. Cooper, as we've learned, is an all around good guy. He's a really all around good guy. But Janie's pissed. Well, yeah, because his car is missing. <laughs> his car is missing. Where's your car, Dougie? Uh, so she traps him off at work, and he just wanders around the square. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, before he gets to work, though, because oh, yes. after we start, we go back to the model home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rest of development. Rest of development. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we see uh, the hired goons still driving around. And then, like, another set of cars. Another another car, not another set. Another car blasting uh, Lynch music. Lynch music, yep. Uh, I think it's Lynch and Dean. I think it's Frank 2000. I could be Frank wrong. Frank 2000, I believe. It's, it's an offshoot of Frank 2000, I believe. Uh, it, did, it did say on the subtitles, but I didn't write down the note. But uh, so it becomes blasting. So it's kind of leading us to think there may be two separate things looking for uh, Dougie. One would be Mr. C's people, and maybe whoever uh, Janie is mentioning about them and they're owing money to. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great uh, bait and switch, uh, red herring sort of situation. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to Doug, Dougie. Uh, 
And I love that Dougie's license plate. Dougie Love. Dougie Love. <laughs> but it's spelled like Dooge. Dooge Love. Yeah, Dooge Love. Dooge Love. Oh. D-U-G-E-L-U-V. Dooge Love. <laughs> so, yeah, they drive them. And we kind of get a glimpse that maybe Dougie had, has had, before Cooper returned, Dougie might have had episodes like this before where he just catatonic because uh janie brings up is like one of your episodes mm-hmm. so that I, is, uh, and we're gonna get a character i'll get to that part because we're gonna get really close to that uh when uh we meet Sin- sinclair so uh what happens here is that he sees uh, this guy phil carrying coffee oh we gotta go before this. okay Okay, so Dougie gets out, and he sees a statue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the statue looks kind of like a—he's like he recognizes it, and it kind of looks like Sheriff Harry Truman. Oh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. But this is a statue of David Lynch's dad. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he uh, his dad had a photo from when he worked for the Forest Rangers, and Lynch commit you know for this uh, was a little nod to his dad. He's Lynch says it doesn't really look like his dad, but it's the same pose his dad's doing in the photo. But yeah, this is a uh, this is a little uh, Easter egg and uh, Lynch putting his like his own family type of thing in into his art. Oh, cool. Okay, uh, yeah, I did. I that's that's news to me. I did not know this. Then it, it's pointing him in the direction where he has to go for work too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That that's the part I caught was that it's pointing him like go that way. <laughs> and as Dougie's walking there, there's a guy with a lot of coffee and Dougie gets very excited. <laughs> Dougie gets very excited with the coffee. <laughs> oh my god. He's such a toddler. He is such a toddler. <laughs> yeah, and this uh, what's the name of the guy with the coffee? Phil. Phil, well, <laughs> Dougie's uh, pretty excited over the coffee, so he decides to give him give him Frank's cup because Frank, Frank, really Frank, just... <laughs> Frank never finishes it. Oh God! Oh. And and he'll give him some green tea. He'll try. Maybe he'll like some green tea. Oh, I, Frank does seem to enjoy the green tea, but. Yeah, so, uh, again, this is, like, the weird quirks we get. Mm-hmm. And it's like we get, uh, it's kind of like, it. you know, it's it's different, but it's the same when it comes to the original run. And we even get, like, just that close to fan service when Dougie re- responds as, damn good, Joe. Damn good, Joe. <laughs> yep, damn good, Joe. <laughs> so... Then we get up to the to the Lucky Seven Insurance Company. We find out that this is where Dougie works, and there's some things going on, some little nuances in the office. But we get Anthony Sinclair, who's like, "Hey, did you go in another one of your benders?" And like this is Tom played by Sizemore. Too. I was going to say Tom Sizemore, who uh, plays the perfect smarmy fuck. I think in this. Yeah, and it, it's weird seeing him work, considering like. His long battle with drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been, you know, he, it's good to see him because I like him as an actor. He does play a good swarmy guy, but I, like, I think it was in the mid two thousands. He had like a reality show, 
about his addictions with drugs and like almost right away he falls off the wagon and starts smoking crack. God. Yeah. I didn't know. I got to check that out. I didn't see that. Yeah. It was like very short lived. Uh, mostly because it was not entertaining. It was just more tragic. Uh, I stopped watching it just because it's like, God, it felt like torture porn mm. with addiction. Uh, so mm. yeah, he does play <laughs> good swarmy guy, asshole. Uh, it's just, it, but my favorite role of his is Skagnetti and Natural Born Killers. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. He was brilliant in that. Yeah, it's really sad because when I do see Tom Sizemore, there's talent there, man. He is a good goddamn actor. Oh, yeah. He was uh, he was destined for big things if his addictions hadn't gotten in the way, I think, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, so he's like, yeah, he covered for Dougie. He owes him big. <laughs> oh, this is what I was going to say. Is I think these are the episodes. I think Janie thinks it's an episode. And I think that what's been going on here is that Dougie's been blowing money at the casinos with hookers and having these drug-fueled um, escapades. And he comes back and he is just on a drug hangover. That's what I think's going on. That very much could be. I mean, Dougie's, I mean, everybody's sitting down, and Dougie just kind of wanders and just stands there. Yes, yes. <laughs> Bell, boss, Bush, Bushnell has to tell him he's got to sit down. Yes, Bushnell's got to tell him to sit down. And we get something interesting from, from this. Why don't you explain this conversation that happens here? Uh, where, uh, with uh, Sizemore and the insurance mm-hmm. claim? Yeah, mm-hmm. so this is really, we're seeing uh, the Lodges are really guiding Cooper to his return. They need him so they can get Bob back. So what happens is uh, he's going over, like, we have to pay out this claim. Uh, and uh, Bushnell's like, why? Uh, he said it was like, you know, it was deemed uh, arson. There's some, like, fuckery going along, and... Dougie or Cooper sees this like green light kind of mm-hmm. reflecting off of uh, uh, Sizemore's head. Mm-hmm. And he just says, liar. And he says, he's lying. He's lying. He's lying. Which really, really pisses him off. Because <laughs> I feel like they might have been in cahoots on some of this stuff. <laughs> y- yes. <laughs> so it's like he's like, Dougie's throwing him under the bus. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The look that he gives and the facial expressions that Tom Sizemore does, you can tell that they were in on it together. Absolutely. Like, Tom Sizemore sells that brilliantly. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, he sees the green glimmer. So, like, we're now we're seeing that there's powers that be that are literally guiding him because they really need him. And uh, it's, it's funny because... Uh, yeah, because this this is not well. What, what happens now is uh, the Littlefield account is, uh, is the one in question, and uh, Bushnell's not entirely thrilled that Dougie's kind of calling their top insurance man a, a liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he's like gives him some like uh, case files to go over so he can reevaluate, you know, his position in the company. Uh, we'll get into <laughs> what Dougie does with those. 
Mm, yes. Yeah, because that's really <laughs> interesting. But, uh, yeah, he's yeah. It's it's really uh, he gives him the homework, and he's you know, but he's not uh, he's not thrilled. Dougie's not make Cooper's not making friends upon his return <laughs> to the real world after twenty five years in the lodges. No, no, he is not making friends, and we're gonna we're gonna find that out right next because my the part. So we'll get back to that later. There, there's a scene uh, that we'll get to. But now we meet the Mitchum brothers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Then we'll get into <laughs> Dougie's. Uh, once again, doesn't know how to pee. Oh, well, doesn't it? Okay, is that? No, I'm sorry. That That is before that. I'm yeah, sorry. That, that is before okay, that. Okay, yeah. Yes. So, well, first, I love that two people had to carry uh, Cooper into Bushnell's office. <laughs> <laughs> they're dumb enough to like close the door behind you when you leave <laughs> and then after this scene we see Dougie holding his crotch outside, just in the hallway and this this nice woman comes up and is like Dougie is the bad men's room lock and then she's like I'll sneak you into the <laughs> and she's like flirting with him she's like, flirting with him because now Dougie's attractive yeah, and she's like, maybe I'll let you kiss me again. And then he's just like, he just goes into the goes into the bathroom like, oh, I'll let you go. Like, there's like this weird thing where there's people who see there's something wrong here, and then there's people who are just oblivious to it, which is just <laughs> this is the quirk, yeah, where people just and I think this is also Lynch's take on. I do think there is a a thing that Lynch is pointing on here that especially in Hollywood and things of that nature, people just ignore other people's suffering. Yeah. Uh, there's right. something very wrong with Dougie, and people are just, eh. Mm -hmm. They don't want to deal with it, so they yep. just kind of, like, take a blind eye, unless, you know, he's throwing you under the under the bus for insurance fraud. <laughs> right. So the best part is she lets him in, and then he's loudly moans, which makes her kind of turns her on and she giggles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe she's into water sports. Who knows, yeah, man? Yeah, you know, hey, to each their own. I, I've, 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 you know, I, I know, I know of it. <laughs> now we go back to the, the Silver Mustang Casino where Brett Gelman's character is in a lot of trouble <laughs> with the, the Mitchum brothers. With the Mitchum brothers. Uh, the what the only thing I've ever enjoyed Jim Belushi in. Now I want to talk about this, and I'm sure you knew about this. Jim Belushi, during making this uh, the, the 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 return, pissed uh, David Lynch off a lot. Yeah, he tried to ad lib, and Lynch would have none of it. Mm -hmm. He would scold him in front of everybody else. Like, I think after a while, he learned his lesson. Like the. the Lynch is he doesn't put up with that bullshit. Uh, you stick to the script. Uh, Lynch can go off on his own. You know he can ad lib via with his stuff. It's his creation, but mm -hmm. Belushi mm -hmm. got under his skin a little bit. I think here uh, it's just whatever. But I do like his character. Uh, what are who's the other uh, uh, Mitchell brother? So there was Rodney and Bradley, and the uh, Rodney was played by Robert Nepper. Okay. Yep. And if you know who Robert Nepper is, uh, I got I pulled that up. 
he was known for he was in Transporter 3, he was in Hitman. He's been acting for a long time though. Uh he was in the Stargate universe. If you watch that, he was um Sam in in the Heroes uh the um the second one or the or the offshoot slow burn and in and in the actual TV series as well. He was in Prison Break. Uh he was in Carnival. If you watched Carnival, uh, Carnival, he you know, but he's been acting for a long, long time. He was he's also been... a voice actor for Secret History of Twin Peaks. Yes. That's yeah, he which character did he play in that? I don't remember. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. There's a lot of there's a lot of cameos. I uh, yeah, I just off the top of my head, I don't remember who he okay. played. But well, him he's... and uh, uh, Amy Shields, who plays Candy, as we see, we don't get a whole lot of Candy at this point. Uh, she's one of the three. Uh, what would you even call them? They're not showgirls, but they're like they're like the Mitchum brothers. Uh, entourage. Entourage. They're, yeah, they're they're female entourage. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, they're they're you know I think that those are the girls that they just kind of swap. <laughs> they want to get laid. Yeah, but like yeah, Candy's like uh, like the main kind of like focused one, and we'll find out she's she's one of the weirder <laughs> characters. She's very a very <laughs> odd character. Very odd. But uh, getting back. Uh, the, the the these brothers they're not happy that four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars were lost on quarter slots. Uh, oh. That many jackpots in a row, of course, raises so many red flags, especially in Vegas. Like they just, uh, I mean, part of their operation is losing some money, so the gamblers keep coming in. But you, they, <laughs> if you're taking a loss. That's not good in Vegas. <laughs> no, and they said, you know, they make the comment of that's what is it? That's 29 more jackpots than we paid out last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one jackpot a year is pretty much their go to, or unless they said 40. I thought it was 30. I could be wrong. But uh, they, uh, they end up beating the crap out of poor Brad Cullen's character. They beat the shit out of him. They even, it, like, it does, like, kind of like what uh, Tarantino does, is, like, it pans away from the actual violence, and you just hear it, which almost makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rough. You just hear, like, bone crunching as you're watching these three entourage uh, uh, showgirl-type characters. Just watching? Kind of. They're yeah. not really looking at anything. They're kind of like staring off into space. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bother them at all. Like they've seen this a million times. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, they get him out of there, and they're like, "Hey, you're the new you're the new guy. If you see him, you let us know." <laughs> yeah, you don't want that guy coming back to your casino <laughs> again. You know, some losses just goes with the territory but uh, 30 jackpots in span of 10 minutes is not good business no no i think that's how trump lost his casinos <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> then we go back and i want to talk a little bit about this scene because there's another scene that i don't want to spoil um 
but man, they hint uh, in this one because mom, the mom, the drug mom is passed out. The one that was yelling one one nine. Yeah. And her little boy sees this car across the street, and he's going to go investigate, and he's playing with the bomb that's placed under there. And all I remember thinking is, oh, God, Lynch is going to kill a kid. Oh, God, Lynch is going to kill a kid. And he gets shooed away by the other, by the by the black car, the people who we don't know, the ones that we think that maybe Dougie owes money to. Yeah. No, they're just car thieves scamming the neighborhood. Mm. Although car thieves, I typically would imagine... Don't blast music as loud as they can, making them very uh, well known. But driving around a 1970 black uh, black Dodge Charger, you know, <laughs> I don't think they typically do that. <laughs> but, uh, uh, so <laughs> they shoot the kid away. They get in the car and they all of a sudden they get De Niroed and Casino. <laughs> the car explodes. <laughs> and what I thought was great is that kid. That kid. When you look at where he's standing. He's standing like six feet away from the. Yeah, he would have, he would have blown. <laughs> he would have blown up. I mean, he is literally. He took like five steps. Steps is in the grass right now. You know that part that's next to your driveway that gets all the fucking weeds and shit. Like right where the grass meets the fucking driveway. He's standing right there, and this car blows up, and he's fine. Not even a speck of dust on him. <laughs> oh. At least at this point, Lynch hasn't killed a kid. Well, I don't, you know, I, this is my thing. I was just going to say that I was just going, oh, my God, he's going to kill a kid. And then he didn't. I'm like, okay, thanks for not doing that, Lynch. So the boy runs back home, and his mother kind of wakes up, and she's all fucked up. And then we move to Jade again. Yeah. Uh, she's getting her truck cleaned, and what happens is uh, the guy cleaning it finds the Great Northern keychain. Fell out of Dougie's pocket, I assume. Or he dropped it when they went over the bump. Uh, so, did you notice, so, like, the conversation that they had, though? Where he goes, hey, does one of your Johns live in Washington? This guy that washes her car knows she's a fucking prosty. Like, that was part of it to me. I'm like, so is he, like, one of her Johns as well? Is this, like, the guy she always goes to when she has to get her shit cleaned up from, like, the jizz? What's their relationship? What's Jade's relationship with this car cleaner guy? I'm sure he is this, uh, probably just knows what she's she's her line of work is. I mean, yeah, she probably goes to him, probably goes to the same place like anybody else. And Vegas is such a weird town. Like it wouldn't surprise me if she's like, yeah, I'm a prostitute. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> clean my car get that jizz off my yeah, ass clean up my car asshole I'm not here to chat, chat about my johns yeah. but then she uh, puts it in the mailbox so it's going to get mailed back to to the great northern uh, and now we go back to Twin Peaks we're at the double R uh, first I think we've seen of it this season mm-hmm. and we Norma looking as good as ever yep She's doing paperwork and Shelly's working, and uh, we see Shelly has a child, uh, Becky. Becky. Her good for nothing daughter who just hits her up for money all the time. Yeah. Yeah, she comes say, in. Say, say, say what you will about Shelly, but we never saw her badgering her family for money. The original run. We never saw her family. <laughs> she was living with Leo. Yeah. We didn't need to see her family. She was self-sufficient. <laughs> Becky. Becky. 
When I was your age, I was getting beat with soap. <laughs> what are you doing, Becky? <laughs> well, we see Becky's in a similar relationship. Oh. Just getting out of with a successful drug dealer. Yeah, yeah. At least Unlike. Leo, he was at least somewhat successful with what he did. Yeah, Becky's like the unsuccessful form of Shelly, which is really sad because Shelly wasn't successful to begin with. No. Gorgeous, but not successful. No, I mean, she, uh, yeah, she was, uh, she, yeah, uh, we'll kind of get in there because they touch upon that, her, what happened with her in secret, uh, in a final dossier. Yes. But, uh, yeah, she was, at least she had part of a house and that washer and dryer outside. <laughs> that was a washer and dryer. I still don't understand the washer and dryer. But yeah. yeah, so then Becky goes out. We realize she gets in the car with the guy that cannot do a fucking job interview. And he lies to her and tells her that the job interview went great. And they they kiss and then... That's $70, $72, you know. <laughs> so he could take her out. So he could take her out. And... They kiss, and Norma and Becky, are, I mean Norma and Shelley, are staring at them. So they drive off, and you know she gives the, she gives Stephen the money that her mom just gave her, and in return they snort this what we assume is the designer drug from China. Yeah, uh, I do want to say that we kind of get a glimpse that Norma has taken Shelley kind of under her wing as like a, a mother type figure. I think. Mm-hmm. The only good. We get to get that when they're watching and she's just like kind of like talking with Shelly about how she's got to like, you know, you know, got to like can't be enabling this anymore sort of thing. But and- yeah, so then Shelly snorts that designer drug and we get what looks a lot like Laura's face when she looks at the ceiling fan and fire walk with me. Yes. Uh, even to the point where her, she has a uh, a distorted type grin, like mm-hmm. a Joker grin, same as Laura. So, yes. And when I first saw this, I thought what they were doing is they were setting up another Laura Palmer situation. That's what I thought, too. I thought, okay, this is our new Laura. Yeah. Yep. Well, we still have Laura. <laughs> yep. No, no, we still have Laura. And I, again, this goes to show, as I brought up in earlier and we'll bring up later, that this drug is affiliated with the lodges and Cooper's done something. Uh, Mr. C has done something to it. Uh, we also get a glimpse of of Becky uh, delivering be- uh, deliver the bread to Toad beforehand. Yeah, Toad, who sure. uh, this episode's dedicated to. Yes, that's exactly why I brought that up. This episode was brought up uh, was dedicated to Toad, uh, who was the, been the the yeah. chef that worked in the back. Yeah, Marv Rosend. Uh, mm-hmm. Different toad from the TV show. I think this toad was introduced in Firewalk with me, and then Lynch kept that. Yes. Toad in the original series was the fat trucker guy. Toad was the fat trucker guy in the original series. That the that they had a move back with the time that they thought that the district attorney was MC Wentz. Yeah. And they make him eat in the back. <laughs> yeah. So then this is the part I want to talk about because I love this. So we got Dougie in an elevator. <laughs> Cram full of people, and he is staring at them, not the door like everyone else. It's so, and everyone's looking down because they don't know what to do. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they just kind of shove him out of the way. 
Uh, I mean, this is the end of the day. You don't want to be fucking around. You want to get home. Yep. <laughs> and you got this doofus kind of staring at you all goofy mm. with, with his case files. With his case file. And everyone's like, God, Dougie, move. Get out of the way, Dougie, move. Yeah, and it's, it's getting dark, and he just stands by the statue. Yep. Like he's it's just... like a child. Like he's looking for guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, ooh, yeah, that's, ooh, we'll get that because that's, that comes later as well. And we'll get more of that later. And then we cut back to the Twin Peaks Sheriff Station, which is a very odd scene. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, Andy and Hawk going through the files and Andy's just, he's getting a little frustrated because he's not finding anything about Indians. <laughs> God. I just was thinking this whole time. He's like, are you finding anything about Indians? God, Hawk has the patience of a saint, I tell you. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, Andy is a, he's, he's a, he's quite the character. His heart's in the right place. His heart's in the right place. Yeah. I think Hawk knows that. So then it's this very brief, just cut scene, just to kind of show that, hey, they're looking for whatever the log lady. Reminder, there's this thing they're looking for from the log lady. Yeah. Then we cut to Jacoby. Joe. Dr. Amp. I know you're excited about this. Run with it, buddy. It's 7 o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Turning Jacoby into, like, a left-wing version of Alex Jones was, like, so, like, when I was watching this, I was like, you got to be fucking, this is great (laughs) (laughs) like there's things like i was like just utterly baffled about you know because you know we had no idea what's going on but like as soon as i saw what they're doing with jacoby i was 100 all in Mm -hmm. i mean he's just a crazy old coot (laughs) he's doing his vlog Yes, he's doing his vlog, and it's it looks like he's like bootlegging like like bootlegging his uh his broadcast or whatever he's doing well, he's got a camera. It's not even like a webcam. It looks like a regular camera, but it's streaming live. Yeah, exactly. You Jerry Horn getting high as hell watching it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And Nadine. We and see Nadine. Nadine for the first time. Yes. Nadine looks good. Yeah, she looks really good. She aged very well. And, yeah, uh, yeah we... Everybody in this show did. Yeah, they did. Pretty much everybody did. And one of the, the my favorite thing is he's talking about, you know, what they're going to be cooking up next. And Jerry Horn's like, I know what I'm going to be cooking up next. <laughs> yeah, as he's lighting up his, his joint. <laughs> and, then, and then he cuts to, somehow he switches his feed over because he's jerry-rigged this whole thing. It's not on a, it's like not on a computer per se. It's just the weirdest setup. It reminds me when I did my pirate radio show, but somehow with video. And he flips <laughs> over and he plays this ad and it's him. Well, we find out what the shovels are for. <laughs> you are in Jen is the best infomercial I've ever seen. <laughs> you gotta shovel your way out of the shit. <laughs> what and then and then you get the get the fucking blue screen. <laughs> yeah, like the old like in like the eighties, nineties with the infomercial. <laughs> and what does it say? Dr. Hamp's shovel of sh- shovel yourself out of shit. Like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> New coats guaranteed. 
Oh God. Twenty nine ninety nine. Two coats, two coats of gold. <laughs> oh, this was God. He, Russ Tamblin does it so he just plays it so, oh, so well. Uh, yeah, again, I would like I'm all in on Dr. Amp. I love this. Like I can I can see this progression of weird hippie doctor turning to like off the rails vlogger. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, and it is it is so brilliant. You could tell that Russ Hamlin is loving it. Mostly, he's like talking about like all like the things people are consuming. He's naming off like all these like very serious ailments, and then he just randomly adds into like you know amongst like different cancers or different like you know like you know bleeding stool or something. He's like warts. Warts <laughs> just lost it. <laughs> Just warts. <laughs> and Nadine is all into it. She is oh. all into it. And uh, I got I got to look up. I, I just give me a second here. Keep going. I got to look up what that fucking infomercial said. Okay. Uh, well, I, so that's the end of this part. Uh, we're gonna have to. God, it's just. Yeah, he's just going off. And he had, what was that? Huckleberry extract with like the purest waters of like Whitetail Mountain. Because <laughs> he's he's screaming, and he has to cut himself off because he's a uh, um, he's yelling so much. And God, where is it? Oh my God, I want to find that because it's so fucking brilliant. I sh- I had it. I didn't write it down though. And I was like, I'll remember. No, of course I didn't fucking remember. Uh well, we can get back. Yeah, we can get back we can to it. Even bring it up next episode. It's yeah, absolutely. Hilarious, but because now we're going to the Pentagon, uh, so we're getting like the le- the levity of Doctor F, and we're kind of going back into the seriousness of things. Uh, database hit on Garland Briggs has alerted the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. I think was it in sixteenth hit in twenty five years. Yes. Uh, so like Briggs has been kind of popping in and out, but they could never locate or substantiate. Where Garland Briggs is. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this hit is hitting Buckhorn, South Dakota. Yeah, the body at Ruth Davenport's uh, bed. Mm-hmm. That is Garland Briggs. And That's, he has aged. <laughs> that is what we are seeing there. Yes, it is. We we can put the pieces together at this point and go, holy yeah. shit, that body, that those fingerprints are are Briggs's uh Fingerprints, and I love that they, Ernie Hudson's character uh, is named Colonel Davis, as in a, which is an homage to the yeah. actor. Yeah, and I love yeah. Ernie Hudson. I met him at a Comic Con. Oh, like, really? A few years ago, like uh, it was like the the last day. It was the Sunday. It was the first time Minneapolis did the Wizard World one, mm-hmm. and me and uh, my wife at the time we went up and. Uh, you know, we did the photo op, but he just talked, man. He is like him and Robert England like, really get into like they'll sit and just chat with fans. They're oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he was he was talking about like Ghostbusters, and I told him that I love one of my favorite shows is HBO's Oz. He played uh, the warden in that, and he seemed surprised that any, somebody at a Comic Con would know that show. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's good to see Ernie Hudson, you know, Winston. From Ghostbusters. Yes, and he always seemed like a genuinely nice dude, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a he's a really nice guy. Uh, yeah, 
But now we're there's trouble at the at the roadhouse, Paul. Both literally and figuratively. <laughs> yes, the band trouble, which this is one of the bands I didn't get into uh, from this thing. Uh, I don't know. Did you? I didn't really. The, their performance didn't really scream out to me. It's if I have it on the soundtrack. It's what it is. Uh, I don't think there's anything else trouble has released besides this track. I think it might have been just made for the show it's oh. uh, riley, it's riley lynch's band it's um, riley lynch's band and it's dean hurley's band yeah so uh yeah the riley lynch is david lynch's son mm-hmm. uh, is was he the one act the one who played the young boy in the original series or is that his other son i always i, I think that was his other son yeah but no riley uh, this is like a weird noise jazz thing uh i mean i it, like I said, if it comes up when I'm driving on my playlist or whatever, uh, I don't turn it off, but I don't actively seek out to listen to it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot that that was Riley Lynch's uh, Lynch's band, so he brought that up. Um, I would like to see more of, of Riley Lynch doing things. So I don't know if he's doing other band work or other music work. I would like. To, I should probably check that out after this podcast. Think, he's the one who's playing saxophone, I, I believe. I believe so. Now nah, I gotta look again. Uh, one second. He was the one that was no. He was on guitar. He was playing oh. the, the lead guitar. Okay. Well. Yep. Yeah. No. I mean, I'd be interested in listening more. I mean, they weren't bad. It's just it's not something I actively seek out. You know, it's mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. I mean. It's not terrible to me. I know a lot of people don't like it. I, I'm just more indifferent. So, fair enough. Fair enough. Let me see I, this uh, cocky son of a bitch smoking in the bar. Smoking in the bar. Right next to the no smoking sign. Uh, he's uh, you know, guy. He's cocky. Uh, these girls sitting in the booth by him are kind of giggling, looking at him. He, you know, again, it's Twin Peaks. He's not a bad looking guy. No. Uh, uh, then uh, Chad comes in after the bartender walks up and says he can't smoke in here and he's like what are you kind of going to do about it uh, I believe that bartender could probably just lay the word of God down on this guy he's not like he's not like the most jacked actor right right but I mean sometimes crazy beats strong so and we find out this character is crazy in spades <laughs> Yes. Now, now, do you know who the bartender was, Will Crook? Oh. That was Vincent, uh, Vincent Castellanos, who was Ed in Mulholland Drive and was a spider monkey in the Crow City of Angels. Okay. Mm-hmm. I hated City of Angels. But... So did I. <laughs> <laughs> so did uh, I. I only like the one Crow movie, That's and I love that movie, so... You know, real quick side note, you should check out the fourth one with Edward Furlong and um, uh, what's her name? Tara Reid. It's it's worth seeing. Yeah. It's, Danny Trejo. It's the last seeing. one I saw was uh, the one with, uh, what's it, Kirsten Dunst? Yes, that wasn't that great either. But I was so upset by that. I, that's when I gave up on The Crow. I'll just stick with the Brandon Lee one. I'm Fair good. enough. I Ernie recommend Hudson. Ernie Hudson also in that. <laughs> also in the Crow, yes. But I'm just gonna put that out there. You should watch the fourth one uh, with Edward Furlong. It is worth the watch. 
Yeah. Well, maybe. Maybe I'll Joe down it. <laughs> you should Joe down it. I think you'll enjoy that. So go on, sir. I interrupted so, uh, Chad's going to take care of it. Uh, we see Chad is, in, you know, not only is he a dick to Andy, but he's in some shady situations where he's getting paid off by this this character we meet. Uh, gives him a pack of Morley cigarettes. Uh, call back to the X-Files. That's where yep. they originated from. Uh, so does this mean Twin Peaks and the X-Files exist in the same universe, Paul? Probably. Uh, I think well, so. there's a lot of things that this has shown up into. Uh, it's uh, Morley Cigarettes, if you look it on the Wikipedia, it's appeared in just about everything. It's appeared in Lost, Malcolm in the Middle, Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they all are in a universe. Like, I, I'm going to say yes. Walking so Dead. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, the, the, and that means these are all in the, and even in movies that they're in platoon apparently. That's right. That's so, right in yeah, it's it's basically what they use to because a lot of directors like Lynch and especially like Tarantino and others really don't like product placement, so they'll just Morley seems to be like the generic brand of Marvel. So yeah, so he takes this money. So he's getting paid off, and this poor woman starts flirting with Richard, and dear God, he's just... He's a fuck. Yeah. And he uh, doesn't get just, any better. Let's just bring it up now, because in the end credits, we find out who he... Well, we don't find out who he is. We, we get a name, we and it's name. Richard Horn. Yes. So uh, that means he's either uh, Audrey's son or... Most John. likely, Johnny's <laughs> Johnny's son. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, I'm I'm aiming at Johnny. It just it all points to him. <laughs> it would make more sense. Uh, Richard Horn. Yeah, we're gonna be. There's a lot that we're gonna be discussing uh, in the further episodes about fucking Richard Horn. Oh yeah, he's a real fuck. He, he even, is. we'll talk about, he does, he does, you know, meet with his dad, you know, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, he meets with Johnny at one point. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. And I have to say, the actor they got to play him, Amon Farron. Yes, uh, he is phenomenal, too. He is he, He's a good actor from, like, things I've seen him in and, like, things I've read about, you know, like, review, like things he, he's just wrote regarded as a really good actor. Absolutely. And he, the way he plays this character, like right when you see him, the mannerisms and everything he's doing, he's playing a villain. Like, you know, you're not supposed to like this character at all. Yeah, he's and been. He also in... slightly looks like David Patrick Kelly to me. Somebody brought that up when, the, when it aired, and now I can't get that out of my mind. He that he's does. He kind of has a vibe, a David Patrick Kelly vibe to him. Absolutely. And if you haven't watched, I mean, you watched The Witcher, right? He was in The Witcher. Yeah. And... He's fun. Yeah, I, there's just anything he's in. He's one of these actors right now that if anything he's in, I haven't seen him do anything bad. Yeah. So we know he's 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 trouble. He's uh, he's a horn. He's a that horn. family does not bring a lot of good into the world. No. And he's a Richard. <laughs> yeah, he's a real Richard. He's a real Richard. And then we go to something I think is interesting, and uh, it's Tammy going through Cooper's files after the meeting. And uh, part of me is like, in my head canon, this is where 
she's also working with on the dossier. Yes, I agree. My head uh, cannon, but uh, uh, she she's she's looking at the picture of Cooper and she realizes there's something off with the fingerprints. Uh, we find out later. Uh, one you of, can one see the, it. You can. If yeah, you can watch see it. it. He has a backward fingerprint. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, back. the fingerprints are backwards. If you look, you'll see it was very plain. I thought like this was yeah. Lynch like throwing you ever the audience a bone, and going look here, the fingerprints are backwards. Yeah, it's so not only is Mister C speaking backward, uh, he's got backward fingerprints. <laughs> he's a strange man. Something's not adding up. This, I mean, obviously that's also something that's physically impossible. Mm-hmm. Happen, your your fingerprints just don't switch on you. <laughs> no, twenty five years. <laughs> if you look at your fingerprints twenty five years later, you'll see they'll reverse. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just doesn't happen. So yeah, so we're kind of getting that. It's kind of a glimpse into Tammy's doing a lot, a lot of this kind of legwork for uh, Cole and uh, Albert. Albert. Uh, and then we go to back to Mr. C in prison. He's getting his phone call from Warden Murphy. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he gets, he's like, out, you know, he's sitting there and he's like, okay, now that everyone's where they need to be. So he knows where everyone is, you know, creepy. the gang's all here. <laughs> yep. The gang's all here. Should I, who should I call? Should I call Mr. Strawberry? No, Which, I don't think I'll call Mr. Strawberry. And this upsets the warden. Uh, we will. I think it comes into play in the next episode. The next episode or the episode after. Yes, yes. We'll find that out. what Mr. Strawberry is. Yeah. So he picks up the phone and he he does dialing like people do on computers, on, on keyboards. Just click, 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 click. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, just causes all this chaos. <laughs> like the, the electronics are just going crazy. Alarms are going off. Uh, he's basically uh, diverting their attention, and so they can't hear who he's talking to. Uh, he he speaks in the phone and says, "The cow jumped over the moon," and then everything kind of goes back. They didn't catch this because they were like wondering what the fuck was happening with the security system. <laughs> yes. Yes, he says the cow jumps over the the cow jumped over the moon, and when he hangs up, everything stops. Yeah. Yep. Which is yeah. If I were uh, working there, I'd be quite troubled by everything that happened. And then yes. it goes back to Buenos Aires, uh, where that thing we saw blinking before shrinks into a gold doohickey, much like yeah. Doug Jones's head. So I want to talk a little bit about that real quick. So I wonder if this was, again, we're seeing with the drugs, we've kind of seen with that, with the with the glass box area. He seems to have the, you know, obviously it's, it's Cooper, but he's, you know, with Bob having control of Cooper's uh, resources and everything. It's like he's created devices and because essentially that's also what, what Dougie is or, you know, Dougie Jones is. And that I've lodged oriented technology, drugs, people. And I, I don't know what the, what the purpose of this. And I don't remember if we find out what the purpose of the device is. I don't remember, but that was my, I'm like, okay, so now he's got fucking lodge electronics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I think this is just kind of set off. Uh, it's it, it, what this had to do is kind of set things off to eventually uh, either like get the ball rolling to get him out of federal prison and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it, I have no idea. Right. <laughs> I, am, I have no idea either. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the fandom, if you look at the wiki page, the, the Twin Peaks wiki page, it doesn't seem like anybody really has a grasp on what this object is. No. And, uh, you know, who knows? It, it serves a purpose for something. We just don't know what. What? Mm-hmm. Then we get back to it's dark. It's Dougie's. late. Dougie's still at the statue, and the credits start rolling. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, well, you know, before they start rolling, the, 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 the security guard's like, hey, buddy, you can't be loitering here. Right? You, you got to go, oh, my gosh. And then it's just, um, and then, yeah, it's that's, the, that's where it ends. And it's one of the few episodes, I think, uh, one of the only episodes, uh, a ham- one of like one or two more that and don't last end. Didn't end with a, a roadhouse performance either. What's that? The last episode didn't end. True. Right? Yeah. Uh, this one is, I'm guessing, is because we already got the roadhouse scene with Richard, so it seemed weird going back. Yep. Yep. And so yeah, there's there. It's. What's your impressions of this one, Joe? I'm gonna get your impressions on it. Uh, I like it. Uh, again, like picking up on this stuff, knowing what we know, made it more enjoyable. Uh, my favorite parts uh, is probably the Dougie stuff, which the first time I watched this and he would have asked me, the thing I would have hated the most was the Dougie stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Same boat. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the introduction of, of, of Dr. Amp. I do, too. That was... Uh... Oh, Russ Hamlin just does that so well. Just, just playing a nut, and uh, it gets a lot. Of, this is like I remember like wondering what happened to the quirk the first time I was watching it. Now that I'm sitting back watching it, enjoying it, instead of trying to look for all these answers, it, the quirk's there. It's in spades, man. It's <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's a great episode uh, in my mind. I think it's again. It's moving it along. We're getting introduced to, again, new characters, things that are going to be kind of moving it along. So, uh, again, on your first watch through, <clears throat> mine, I had no idea what the fuck was going on again. And watching it the second time, like, oh, right, right, right. This is how they introduce these particular characters. So, yeah, um, it's the things are going to change as we're going to find out real soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to see. Th- Lots of things happen. Uh, time is getting fractured a bit. Mm, yeah, and this next episode uh, is that we're going to be going next. Uh, there's a lot of things I love about it, and there's a lot of things that upset me about it. Well, we'll have to get to that when we get to that. Yes. So, Joe, what do you have going on, sir? Uh, so this week on the Joe Down, uh, we'll be putting it out Wednesday night. Uh, it's just a busy week. Uh, it's, uh, Foxcatcher. Uh, <laughs> I had never seen the movie before. We're wrapping up sports month and I saw as my excuse to see it. Uh, wow. <laughs> John DuPont was an interesting character. 
And again, that 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 movie doesn't go into all of it. No, uh, there's a lot. There's a the documentary is kind of just how bonkers this guy was and how just coked up everybody on the Teen Foxcatcher was. Mm-hmm. Which I did some investigating. Uh, future WWE uh, Hall of Famer Kurt Angle was part of Team Foxcatcher. Was part of Team Yes, he was. Kurt Angle was part of Team Foxcatcher. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's an interesting story, and it's just weird because you know we've been watching The Office with you for the Bears Beats and Bobbleheads podcast. So see, <laughs> Steve Carell is like the only thing I've been watching is Twin Peaks and The Office, and then like for the whatever we watch for the Joe now. So it's like Steve Carell, and I'm just like making Office jokes in my head as I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is the weirdest Michael Scott character. <laughs> yes. So speaking of uh, bears, beats, and bobbleheads, that's the other thing that we do is uh, we, with uh, with our friend Scott, we watch The Office. Uh, Joe, you've watched The Office now how many times? Probably like three or four times all the way through. Mm-hmm. You bought yourself the DVD, right? The, the DVD oh, I set. bought it digitally. I bought it digitally. Bought it digitally. I'm okay. I don't want to pay for Netflix. No, that's and you know what? It's a smart thing to do because it's coming off of Netflix. Yeah, it's going to be on the new Peacock or whatever. Yep, the NBC thing, and um, which means I have to go over the NP. Uh, you know, I have to get NBC Peacock or the fuck it is because I haven't seen the episodes. Yeah, and, and I think there's a free version. It's just going to have commercials or whatever. See, I don't do commercials. Fuck that. I won't. I won't do it. I'll have. I'll buy it. That's what I do with Hulu. I just can't. I can't. I stream things so I don't have to watch ads. I'm such. I'm such a fucking spoiled bitch like that, dude. Um, and uh, yeah. So our next episode of that is Hot Girls. I think is what you guys told me. Hot girl. Yeah. Hot yeah. Hot girl. girl. Hot girl. Not hot girls. Hot girl. Yeah. See, this is how much I don't know about the Office people. <laughs> Yeah, you're in for uh, it, it's a it's a it's a good ep- episode. Uh, it's just one of the weirdest uh, like uh, minor character that just kind of uh, the actress who plays her. Uh, you'll see when you see it. Uh, she kind of like blew up as a big time actress, and most people forget she was even on The Office. Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, I'll have to look at that. I'll have to look at that when we watch it, because yeah, I, I, you know, again, people, I don't watch the episode until we do the podcast. So, yeah, and then you know, we have, speaking of other podcasts, and got the cast that movie that will come out uh, the day after around around the same time that this one uh, that should come out the day after this podcast. What are you guys doing for that again? Uh, we are doing the 1998 movie Sphere, based on the Michael Crichton film, and then our re our, our um, dream project is the 1985 uh, set music hearing with uh, Tipper Gore, and uh, creating the parental advisory labels. I will warn you guys. Uh, you know, if you well, listen to that one, I go into the history. This is probably one of my deeper, deeper dives since uh, the island of Dr. Moreau. So there's a lot of history that we'll go into and then we'll decide, you know, then we'll talk about how we would cast that movie. And I'll give you guys a fair hint. I am fucking pissed off at uh, Jode uh, for picking an actor that I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, can I, I have one uh, thing I love about the aftermath of the PMRC. 
Yes. You know, it's the parental advisory stickers, and they put it on a Frank Zappa instrumental album. I bring that up. Uh, yes, uh, real quick, they did that. Uh, Frank Zappa put on an album called Jazz from Hell, and it was given the parental advisory label because of uh, lyrics. The thing is, is that it was his jazz album. There was yeah. no lyrics on it. It's just uh, how hard he hit at the PMRC. Uh, yes, and it also went to show that the PMRC, the, the whole pound, the PMRC, it was failed to begin with. And I'll get into that. The other thing with it is, is that it became self-regulated by the record companies and not a government thing where government was listening to music and rating them like what was being proposed. So it also went to show that some of these companies, they didn't even listen to the albums. They just looked at the artist when I know that artist swears, boom, here's a label. Um, so yeah, it became kind of a joke. And you know, again, I'll get a lot into that. I do bring that up. I bring up some other fallout, um, some other racism that came with the uh, with the label. A lot of other things that occurred that um, you know that was very instrumental to many, many, many things that came down the road. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's an interesting story. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, and if you're a fan of Wasp, you're definitely going to want to listen. <laughs> no, I'm not a fan. No, I'm saying for our, for our listeners, jackass. <laughs> if any of our, our listeners, listeners are, are not fans of Wasp, <laughs> fans of Foster or Sheila Eaton or Rick James, you're gonna want to listen. <laughs> so yeah, other than that, that's all I got going on. Um, yeah, it, this episode, you know, was again one of the more easy ones to follow. Yeah, it's getting more uh, linear here. After the uh, kind of like the craziness of episode two and three, one, two, and three. Yeah, the the false law of security is uh, coming in. <laughs> yeah, only to be just taken out from under our feet. <laughs> Very soon. Very soon. Well, I think that does it for us, uh, Paul. Until next time, uh, shovel yourself out of the shit. <laughs>